Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Just Be. I am uh, one of the co-hosts, John Emilio, flying solo today. I have the honor um, uh, of, of having an interview today with uh, someone who is actually very important to me in my journey, uh, Dr. Tatiana Mestechkina from uh, CBT for Better Living. Tatiana, please go ahead and introduce yourself and your practice. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm very impressed with the pronunciation. I'm Dr. Tatiana Masechkina. I'm the director and founder of CBT for Better Living. Uh, we're a private practice located in New York City and also doing virtual work in New Jersey and Florida. And we specialize in using evidence-based practice to treat OCD and all types of anxiety disorders as well, and have now actually expanded our practice as well to working with children, treating eating disorders and trauma as well. Oh, so that's wow. exciting. Yeah, very good. Listen, the, the, the more you can help, the, the better it is. So that, that's that's great to hear. Um, so the purpose of our, our interview today is I wanted to speak more about uh, acceptance commitment therapy, which for me, I, I thought was like the cherry on top of everything. Um, so I mean, while I explain it on the podcast for you as a therapist, as a trained professional, can you kind of explain what ACT is to our audience and its major principles real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, most people consider a type of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and it's also, you know, very kind of active experiential approach as well. There's what I love about ACT is there's a, it's empirically validated. So meaning there's a ton of research to support its efficacy for a lot of different mental health problems. And what also really attracted me to ACT is how like generalizable it is. And while, you know, we do have specialties in our practice of focusing on certain presenting issues, I found ACT to be really helpful for whatever life challenges come up, both for my work with patients and also honestly, personally as well. And I think one of the core features of ACT that makes it so generalizable and um, effective is this idea of like psychological flexibility, which is really yes. kind of the, the umbrella term of everything. And all the yeah. principles are related to that as well. Um, a lot of ACT is also like language focused, really helping us understand how like the language we use both verbally and in our minds can really affect both our emotional experience and what we do. Um, a lot of ACT is about helping people learn to better respond to their different thoughts, feelings, memories, sensations, and how to be willing to kind of experience some of the ones, even the not such fun or pleasant ones, yeah, if, if they're part of kind of living a more valued life. And I think it helps people kind of learn what is and is not in their control. So a lot of really great things that I think initially, you know, in our work, at least a lot of it is we used to treat OCD and anxiety disorders. And I think sort of as your journey has been, John, what's really fulfilling for me therapeutically is seeing how people take some of those principles and then start applying them to everything in life. General, exactly. Life outside yeah. of whatever mental health issue someone might be coming in for. And then just to give like a brief summary of some of the core principles, let me kind of jump into them as well. Um, so the biggest one, well, not the biggest one, but I think one of the starter ones is helping people learn to identify their values. So values are the things that we really, truly care about at the end of the day, the things that we yeah. want to stand for, sort of what we want to make sort of like the compass of our life and really using those to be the compass and help to draw the map of the directions that we go in our life. And then once we have those values down and are really clear about what they are, and of course, you know, it's a lifelong process to continue clarifying yeah. them and yeah. reprioritizing them. 
um, then we want to really focus on how to make more of what is called committed actions, which essentially just means figuring out behaviorally how to do that. What choices can we make in this very moment that might bring us closer to those values? And then learning kind of more concrete strategies for what kind of gets in the way of that and then learning different tools to manage that. So another core act principle is contact with the present moment. Another term for that is mindfulness, which I also yes. know is something that really resonated <laughs> with yeah. you. And a lot of it comes down to so much of the emotional pain and suffering that we experience is when we hang out with our mind and all the what if thoughts about things that may or may not happen in the future and all the should have, could have, would have that we beat ourselves up and try to find that time machine to undo. And sort of the antidote of that is learning to br to be in control of our attention and to bring it our into focus. the here now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, and uh, <clears throat> I mean that's why I'm I'm I just I love act and I've everything about it has been uh, and that that by the way that description sounds a lot different than the one that I usually give us, which is why I wanted to have I wanted to have you on to kind of give our audience a little bit deeper of a understanding of what it is besides what we kind of speak about in the podcast. We give a very generalized you know kind of um, basis of what it is now. Um, even though ACT is a, a form of therapy, do you feel it's something that could be learned outside of therapy? Because it's it's so mm -hmm. close to mindfulness and it really is I, what I consider a scientific version of Eastern spiritual teachings almost because they really, you know, they, they, they walk a parallel line. One uses words that you can understand. One goes a little bit deeper and is a little bit more vague, but I think they kind of point in the same direction. So it's mm -hmm. is it something that you could still learn on your own if you weren't in therapy let's say you weren't experiencing ocd yeah. or anxiety but you wanted to learn more about it mm -hmm. absolutely um, so happy to answer that question but just wanted to rewind for one more second yeah, uh because sure. i was kind of going through like the hexaplex which in act is just like the main core principle so just wanted to quickly give yeah. a summary of the other few and then we can go into that sure. question so i think we talked about the values the committed action we talked about contact with the present moment um the other core principle is diffusion so learning how yes. to identify and a lot of them are also, there's a lot of overlap, but um, diffusion is learning to identify sort of what our minds is bringing up for us, what the thoughts are, and then being able to create distance from them and take a step back from them. Um, self as the self as context is also a big one, which is related. It's basically, I think what you talk about a lot as well is kind of how to learn to be the observer. Yes. The observer and yeah. also very related to the diffusion aspect yes. of it. And then the last one is acceptance, which is a big one that also kind of overlaps with a lot of them. And what I was alluding to before, really learning how to accept the things are not, that are not in our control and then refocus our attention on the things that are in our control. And a lot of what we, what, you know, in ACT we try to work on is accepting unwanted, uncomfortable thoughts or feelings, because that is just unfortunately part of being human. We all get those. Nobody wakes up in the morning with their like little menu of thoughts or feelings that they get to choose for the day or no, not it'd be ideal, be really but nice. <laughs> yeah I'll sign up for that right away but since no one I know at least has found that no. the way to get that menu or that remote control to turn on and off certain thoughts or feelings it's learning how to create space for them and then also I think a big misconception about acceptance is acceptance that means like we have to like them or enjoy uh, them yes. Or, versus, sur or surrender to it like you're giving in, which is it's the total opposite. It's empowering. Exactly. Know? And I love that you brought that up. I think that's a really 
big barrier for people to kind of drink the acceptance Kool-Aid because like, stop it, what? Versus like the dialectic that you can accept things and still at the same time, not enjoy them, not like them, not want them, that you could accept things and still at the same time, do the things that are in your control to change that. And even though it might feel contradictory, it doesn't really have to be that way. It doesn't. Yeah, no, which is, yeah. And that's why I'm, like I said, I'm such a big fan of, of acceptance commitment therapy uh, in general. Um, and so I guess getting back to the other question then, yeah, is it something question. that can, mm-hmm. so, like I, I practice mindfulness and, and, and meditation and, and um, uh, awareness but can it be something that could still be learned or taught? Like reading a book like The Happiness Trap by Dr. R.S. Harris, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, when you put me onto that book, honestly, it was another one of those, I know we don't like to say aha moments, but it was another one, wow, well, this is, okay, aha, this is pretty good. Like he did mm-hmm. a masterful job just kind of um, uh, explaining it throughout the book. So if somebody read a book like that, did mm-hmm. there was at work books which you could get, mm-hmm. is it something that they can learn on their own or is it really better always to do that in a, in a form, in a therapeutic mm-hmm. setting, you know, as opposed that's to ERP, which we know has to be done, you know. Well, uh, even that, I mean, so I, I think that's an excellent question, right? And the reality is, yes, while I think that like therapy is wonderful and it's really great to have like a partner and a leader and a coach yeah. to kind of take you through that journey. And if for, for certain mental health challenges that, and for certain people that might be more helpful or for certain people, it might be essential. And at the same time, I absolutely think that you can, learn a lot of this on your own and get some really solid foundation with that. There's amazing resources, especially over the last like decade, last few years, even there's so much more access to different ways of learning that. I absolutely agree that the happiness trap is my favorite, I think, <laughs> yeah. book for both therapists and just, I recommend it to everyone because it, Russ Harris, I think does a amazing job of taking some of the act principles and making them very like user-friendly easy to understand like language that's relatable to people examples there's even like exercises within that book that makes it more experiential so I think he's really wonderful um you know act made simple is another book that he's written as well that kind of goes into it a little bit more deeper um Steve Hayes obviously has a lot of great resources as well um, getting out of your mind and into your life, I think is a good starter. I read that one also. Yeah, yeah, that was a great yeah. book. Yeah. 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 And they also have, you know, are both very generous, I think, with their time and resources. And they put a lot of resources out there, both by doing a lot of podcasts and recordings and trainings as well. Um, and then there's also an organization called the Association for Contextual Behavioral Science, which also has oh, a lot wow. of like great free and not free resources. Oh, okay. as well. And then, you know, podcasts, obviously, nowadays are a great way to oh, great. Yeah, very, learn very, things. I learned they're very popular. <laughs> yeah, they are. And it's a great way to kind of get information to a lot of people. So I definitely think that there's a way to get a foundation and these types of things just with resources that are out there. Um, and then for some people, that might be kind of enough to help them to kind of apply them in their life. And other people... Mm-hmm might benefit from kind of then going to therapy or in addition to going to therapy and uh, working with like a trained licensed professional to help them actually like apply some of these principles to their life and help them practice them better. But but then there's also, again, there's therapy, obviously, which I'm biased because that's what I do, but I know you went to like a mindfulness retreat as well. So there's different parts of ACT that you can practice, especially mindfulness as even like a separate package as well like so so you, meditation like certain apps like headspace calm yeah so yep. definitely a lot of ways to kind of get your feet wet with it 
with it we yeah, with it out without without being in a in a formal um therapeutic environment all right so so that's i mean that's good because i i I try to tell people a lot um, that I speak with, you know, to research it uh, and to, and, and I always, I always recommend Dr. Russ Harris's book, The App in the Shop. I'm like, it's a great, he, he does a phenomenal job of explaining what it is and, and, and gives such great examples throughout the book of people. And, and we'll get back to that. And he shows you how they progress from, from one stage to another. So, um, so yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's great to hear that it's something that even a therapist says, Hey, yeah, this is something you can research on your own mm -hmm. and kind of um, work on. So yeah. as far and even as like YouTube videos, like especially Russ Harris has oh, like a bunch of like little animations or like little like uh, metaphors that he makes into like cartoons. And they're, I mean, obviously you have to be, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, salt when it comes to but, YouTube, yeah. but especially when it's made by or kind of endorsed yeah. by a trusted source, there's. Dr. Really Stephen Hayes has a yeah, Dr. Stephen Hayes has a bunch. He does a couple of TED talks with it. Mm -hmm. And he has all those little cartoons up when he's showing you how to kind of see your mind, see that thought, names his brain. So I get what you're saying, like they're cute little anecdotes, but they have a message and a meaning and they mm -hmm. resonate pretty quickly if if you're really like paying attention to it. So um Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things with acts that sometimes people struggle with that it's like very like kind of vague and like complicated in the conceptualization. And that's why a huge, yeah. huge component of ACT is experiential and behavioral. Yes. And a lot of people would call it even like a behavioral therapy. Well, therapy. Because a lot of this is about like practicing this, putting this into action, like well, living this. I think that's the key is the practicing. Like, uh, And I think that's where people get hung up a lot too, is the practicing of it, not just knowing it, but actually implementing it in your daily life. And it's something that you constantly do. Acceptance, we said before, is something you don't do once and say, oh, I accepted it. Yay, it's done. It's constantly accepting, constantly accepting until that ingrains itself in you and it becomes a, something that's a little bit more natural to happen. Um, in terms of OCD or anxiety, um, mm -hmm. as a therapist, uh, that, that that's one of your specialties. And I know that obviously ACT was something that we worked on early on along with ERP when we were doing, uh, when we were working together. Do you feel that, and I know some therapists do, and I, when I look for, if somebody ever says, hey, do you know anybody? I always look for a therapist who not only specializes in OCD, right? Because not everybody does, but also implements acceptance uh, commitment therapy at the same time. Do you feel that it's widely used by a lot of therapists who specialize in OCD, or is it still kind of some do, some don't? That's a good question. I would say, you know, some do and some don't for sure. And right now, at least the most research supported therapy for OCD is exposure and response prevention therapy, ERP. And I would say that a lot of people yes. in the OCD community also practice ACT and a lot of them incorporate them very yeah. heavily. Like even if you go to IOCDF conferences, there's a lot of ACT in there oh, okay. and more and more each year, which is great. But again, obviously not not everyone. It's still kind of up for debate whether you need both or not. And my personal experiences slash, you know, some of the research, I think it's been really, really helpful. And you can attest with your personal experience as well. Mm -hmm. And I kind of use like a little oversimplified metaphors, like ERP is like the the pasta of the meal, like the main ingredient. And the act is like the sauce and the spices yeah, that exactly. really give it the flavor, flavor. and the full experience. And I think um, ERP can be really, you know, really effective and it could be really, really challenging. And I think some of the yes. ACT principles really help with like the implementation of the ERP. Of the ERP. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of like, I, you know, definitely coach a lot of people to use some of the ACT principles during the exposures or to help with the response prevention therapy as well. Yeah, no, because I remember, I mean, the ERP was the, 
<laughs> not fun, <laughs> but it was, it, it was, it was, it was very useful in acclimating to the, for me was my OCD spikes for my intrusive thoughts. It helped, it helped to take it from a, an initial 10, brought it down enough where you were breathing now all of a sudden. And then that's when act, I think really for me at least kicked into high gear and I was mm -hmm. able to then uh, just uh, keep moving forward from there and really exponentially getting better and better and growing more and more. So uh, yeah. yeah. And I think um, I've also find it helps people like the buy-in as well. It's like ERP requires, Intel's doing things that are really counterintuitive and really difficult and sometimes makes things feel harder than sure. easier at the beginning. Sure. And I think especially if the values is like a huge part of the foundation, like why are you even willing to do this work? And people are only willing to do this really hard work of ERP if they acknowledge that engaging with the thoughts and feelings the way that they have is taking them away from living a values life, taking them away from being present in the here and now of their lives. And a lot of what these people to do compulsions with ERP or to avoid, you know, avoidance is one of the compulsions is getting really entangled with those thoughts and the false alarm signals false alarm, that yeah. come up or being really unwilling to tolerate the uncomfortable feelings that come up. You actually said a key word there. It was one of the questions I was going to ask a little, a couple of questions down, but willing for me and that's where especially with erp you have to be there has to be a willingness to want to be there and do the work not just be there in hopes of well dr tatiana is going to tell me to do this i'm going to do this and everything's going to be better all of a sudden a willingness to do the hard work to be uncomfortable i mean i remember i remember our sessions vividly and they were i mean there were hard times there some of them were difficult to say the things and to do the things that we had to do but I felt if I was just doing them haphazardly, just like I'm here because I have to be here and I have mm -hmm. to not want to, but I have to be here, right? Language again, um, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have had the same uh, effect. Um, so, I mean, I, obviously I, I take it, you agree that like that willingness is uber important in a, in a client's uh, success. Mm -hmm. You nailed it, right? Yeah. I think that word willingness is really like the key ingredient for therapeutic success. If you don't have that, you can go to all the therapy sessions in the world. We can grow together. We can come see me <laughs> seven times a week. And it's not yeah, going to lead people to live better if they're not willing to do the really, really hard work. And I'm glad that work. that like really resonated with you as well. And then some people also where they get stuck in therapy is like they're willing to kind of go through the motions of doing them. Like as you said, like, oh, because my therapist told me to like, okay, I did it, I did it, I did it. And then some people, you know, a few sessions in, will get stuck. They're like, I did all my therapy homework. I've done my exposures. What, what, why are things well, not changing? And it's because they're not really willing to do them like in the spirit of it, which is to show their brains that they're willing to actually have these thoughts or feelings. And if someone's willing to do the exposures because they think it's going to lead them to stop having intrusive thoughts or feelings forever, that kind of becomes counterproductive because a lot of the therapy is really about showing their brains that these thoughts and feelings are okay, not wanted, but okay. They're, okay. they're an independent system, that they're the weather, they're not in our control and that we can experience them and that we don't need to kind of run away from them, avoid them. We don't need to figure out a way to kind of whack-a-mole them every time they come up. And the purpose of exposures isn't just to like cross your fingers and grin exactly. and bear it and get through it, but to show your mind in kind of creative, proactive ways that, these thoughts and feelings are okay, that you can handle them. You could feel what you don't want to feel and still be here in this moment and still make choices in line with those values. 
So to answer your question, yes, willingness is, is very, is very, very is, is very important. It's very important. And I think the older we get, the more we get ingrained in our ways. Somebody like me, I was older when I started doing therapy. If if it's if it's not there, it could be very difficult. So this kind of takes me back to another question I wanted to ask. So young children with, with acceptance commitment therapy, um, especially if you see a child at a younger age of maybe showing some signs of anxiety or, you know, the, the common traits of it. Um, is, is it something that you can teach to a young child? Mm -hmm. I mean, and if so, what's that age where, okay, I think it's going to resonate at this age or maybe they should be a little bit older. Mm -hmm. wow. Absolutely. So I think that's a really excellent question as well. And I'd have to kind of get back to you with like the research, what the research shows for like what age um, range that starts to be an effective therapeutic technique. But what I can tell you is just even from my own personal experience of being a mom now and having a three-year-old <laughs> daughter that I definitely, not, not always, and don't always <laughs> practice what I preach, but I think it's really important. And I think you know, one of the reasons I kind of really subscribe to this therapy is because it resonates so much in my own life and therefore also very much affects my parenting. And I think her, even as young as three and even earlier, there's definitely ways to like plant the seeds plant the for seeds. that. Like we even have like a little mindfulness book, which like is very like, you know, practice-based as yeah. well. We like pause and we breathe in we through our breath. nose and out through our mouth. And then we touch things and we like clench our hands and kind of notice different sensory experiences or even like there's like a candle or something sensory I always try to encourage her to like bring her attention, attention to, it. to it I think also um, and one of the things we've talked about before as well is this idea like I didn't know there's me and then there was my brain like I didn't grow up that way that wasn't me, me, yeah. and like what does that even mean of course not my brain like who am I if I'm not so definitely I think in small ways also try to like plant the seeds of like asking like oh what thoughts are you noticing right now what's on your mind um, I think a big way that ACT has affected my parenting also is really trying to like both in how I communicate and helping her kind of normalize that it's okay to have unwanted okay. feelings, even instead Absolutely. of like, don't, don't feel angry or don't feel anxious or don't feel sad. Like it's okay to feel sad right now or that happens. Of course you feel sad if you just you know lost your toy or got an ouchie and things like that. We all feel that way and like helping her find the language to her emotions and trying not to change them as much um but learning to make room for them and then i think the values thing is a really big one because that's Huge. a lot of like role yes. of parenting as to like both help instill certain values and more importantly i think modeling them so i think her her being around especially as she's getting older helps me hold myself more accountable to trying to model values driven it behaviors yeah. rather than it just to kind of say do it being a parent, so being a parent definitely does that. I mean, I have two older children. One's my oldest is in college, and my youngest is a sophomore. So I'm a little bit ahead of the game there. But and we spoke about it even when we were working together. How I would, especially towards the end of our time together, I started to try to plant seeds in their heads, you know, and and nonchalantly, not not like you know force feeding it to them, but like, hey, what about this and hey that. And a lot of times they would make fun of me because they were kids and they're like, yeah, dad, whatever. But my older son now is 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 kind of really getting into it, and he's um yeah he's more curious about it and asks more questions about it, which I love to see because mm -hmm. it's it's a great way to just kind of relate with your mind as you get older and and to and to live life. So this reminds me of, and especially because you're talking about your being a parent with your daughter. Do you remember the Hershey Kiss mm -hmm. exercise that we did? Um, yeah. Definitely. So yeah, so when I first did it in your office, and and you told me to unwrap the candy, put it in my mouth. I mean, I didn't, I, I probably didn't resonate with me until a little bit later. I'm like, why are we eating candy? But okay, <laughs> it 
<laughs> she told me to do it, we're going to do it. But obviously it was to teach me to notice and not label. Teach me mm -hmm. to notice what I'm experiencing, but not necessarily get caught up in, you know, the mental pictures and the mental words. Like how, how, how important in the hierarchy of getting somebody, especially with OCD and anxiety, is it for them to understand, to notice what's going on in their mind, but not label those things and, you know, say good, bad, this, that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's for sure a huge part of the therapy for OCD and anxiety and also just a really big part of ACT because we could talk about ACT for hours and hours and days yeah. and days, but it's really about figuring out ways to test it out and put it into action. And I love doing the Hershey's kisses exercise <laughs> together as like just a very experiential form of it, right? And we always kind of start by like, most people have eaten a ton of Hershey kisses or it could be done with anything. It could be with like a done with a raisin yeah. or goes right down lollipop that or a yep. bowl water i mean it could be really anything about but taking something that we do on a regular basis which is eat a piece of chocolate particularly this very popular one as well but to do it in a very different way where we're really kind of slowing down and noticing and having a sensory experience with it like noticing what the foil looks like noticing what it feels like on our fingers noticing the sensation of us unwrapping it of the smell of the shapes of the color noticing any memories that might bring up oh last time I had this was like at a birthday party that was fun noticing any thoughts that might come up of like I'm really hungry I can't wait to eat this noticing any like good bad judgments that come up and practicing creating noticing them and then giving them space and then bringing your attention back to the full sensory experiences of having one I think it'd be something just very simple really quick and really powerful way to take some of these concepts of like the diffusion particularly and the mindfulness yes. and practice it yeah in a very concrete way and so many people are like wow i've never like enjoyed a hershey kiss right <laughs> so, i mean i was i remember when we did it and i was like okay i'm eating a hershey kiss but i just it was your it was the way you were the, you were the commands you were giving me to unwrap it and feel uh hold it in my hand and notice put it in my mouth and just feel the sensation of this so it was you were pointing my focus to a certain thing, mm -hmm. which I mean, was, and I say it in my book was one of my first, if not the first exercise I had in actual mindfulness, like to bring my attention to what I am doing and not just do it and following whatever my mind says, Oh, eat the candy and just move on mm -hmm. to the next thing or, or label them as it comes. So yeah, I, I was, it was a very sneaky, but <laughs> I, I thought it was, a, it was a great little exercise. Yeah. I think it also helps yeah. people show I'm glad that you enjoyed it and it resonated with you. And I think it also helps people realize how not automatic it is for most people yes. most of the time to be there, how common it is for our brains to bring us a million different directions and yep. the future, the past or in judgment zone, even if our goal is to eat this or how much time we spend not even really eating our food because we're also on our phones or watching the TV in the background yeah. Yeah, as yeah. well. So I think it's a cool way to practice that. Yeah, no, it is. Um, it, it, it absolutely is. Um, I mean, really, so... The only other question I would have, um, and this is, you know, and I know, I know people who are, who are suffering and people who are kind of dealing with things. And sometimes the amount of information out there is so overwhelming. It, while advocacy for OCD and anxiety has exploded, especially in recent years, which is so nice to see, it could be also very overwhelming because you're like, uh, where do I go? Who do I talk to? So as a professional, what advice would you have to somebody who's just trying to find the right, the, the, their way or to try to find the right thing that they need to do or the first step, let's just say, that mm -hmm. they should take in maybe trying to, you know, get on a path to, to recovery. 
Yeah. I mean, I think the first step is just knowing that they're not alone in this journey and that help is out there and that we've come, one of the reasons why I chose to specialize in OCD and anxiety disorders particularly is because we've come such a long way in really understanding them and having effective treatment to just even have like the hope for that or that to work on on their own, even destigmatizing some of it that there's not a sign that there's something that means something about them as a person versus if this is just what they're experiencing in their brain and without really fully understanding it or understanding what reinforces it or what leads it to be better managed. Um, just kind of taking that first step to know that that knowledge can go yeah. a very long way. Um, and then I think, you know, we're going and we're trying to get connected with a licensed mental health professional um, and confirming that diagnosis, if that's what someone thinks that they're yes, dealing with, and then kind of starting the concrete treatment plan for both the psycho ed for how to learn more about it, and then importantly, how to apply that to themselves. Um, it could definitely be challenging, especially at the beginning of finding a therapist that's the right fit. So I would say um, there's lots of different ways to do so. IOCDF yes. um, website is a great starting point. They have like a database with different therapists all around the country, all around the world that specialize in this as well. Um, I did write an article actually a few years back on Made of Millions that's okay. called How to Find a Pure O Expert. Um, I don't know if you could do like links to the article, um, to this episode as well. Yeah, I no, I could, I could, absolutely. Great. And I think that even though the article's titled How to Find a Pure O Expert, I think it also would be very applicable to anybody with OCD, even the more traditional subtypes and yeah, have I'm some sure suggested questions for what to ask a therapist at the very beginning. Um, so I'd recommend trying to schedule, most therapists will do a few like uh, 10 to 15 minute phone calls ahead of time, even before scheduling a first appointment. And there's some helpful questions as well to ask both about kind of their training and their history and wanting someone that ideally has your P and ACT experience as well, where this is their area of expertise. Because unfortunately, uh, when it comes for a lot of other mental health challenges, it could be more for debate, like which therapeutic approach is better or not. Um, but with OCD, if there is someone who really doesn't like specialize in this and doesn't do an evidence-based therapy, not only might it not help, but it can actually even feed in yeah. to the symptoms as well. So I definitely say for this, more than some other mental health issues, I think having someone with that expertise where that's primary focus is really important. And while that's all great and really important, I think also it really comes down to just like finding someone that you connect with and that you trust. And as you've seen and as you've lived on, this therapy takes a lot of work and it takes, yes. I always tell people like, I never want you to do anything just because I'm telling you to do so. I want you to like challenge and ask questions and really understand deeper the rationale for it. And it's really important to work with someone who's going to take that time to make sure that you guys are on the same page and someone that you trust and feel connected with and safe to go on this very difficult journey with. And sometimes that takes having a few initial phone calls. Sometimes that might take even having a few first intakes or a few first therapy sessions as well. Um, and even though it could be hard and sometimes, you know, time consuming and expensive even to have that, but I do think it's a really great investment and in ultimately choosing to go on that journey with someone that you believe is a good fit for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, th that connection that you have with a, a therapist, whether it's OCD or, or whatever, I, I, it's it's very important because it becomes a level of trust that you have with that person that, you know, the, the directions that this therapist is giving you is to say, hey, John, 
we're going to make a left here, but now you have to make that left turn. I have to have a level of trust to say, yes, she's saying we're going to make the left. We're go- I'm, I want to make that left turn because mm-hmm. I trust everything she says. So yeah, that level of trust in that relationship is is very is is yeah is very important um both that level of trusting that there's a reason why she wants to make the left turn and i think it's also really important to like have that kind of relationship where you can ask like well why are you choosing that versus then right here like right sounds good to me like what's your thinking pattern for asking the question that transparency yeah asking the question is very important i mean that that openness and and that communication with your therapist i mean is is going to be a major part of your either success or stagnation in it where you, you're just going to get stuck somewhere or you're going to keep moving forward um so um yeah i mean that's about all the questions i have i, I mean i could sit here and talk about this for hours but i'm <laughs> sure you have you have a, a busy day still this afternoon um so uh i mean on that i would like to thank you for taking the time um joining me um i'm, I'm sure you know uh people my our viewers are going to get a uh, a lot out of this it was a, it was a lot of great information i will get that link from made in millions um cuz I, I could do a search on on their website for the article um and definitely and post it and get it up there also that's that's a great uh, something probably would be very beneficial for them to read so uh i appreciate you taking the time it was great seeing you again um, likewise thank yeah. you so much for having me this is so fun i feel like we covered a lot in a very short <laughs> amount of time did a very cliff notes version so you can always dive yeah. more in depth but this was wonderful and i'm so proud of you and excited for thank you and you. i think you're doing such amazing work with this podcast and kind of getting this information resources out there and just being so open with your journey and yeah, i think that you. a lot of people will be able to relate to it and resonate with it and i think you being so open about your experiences and what's helped you might make it give someone else like a little bit of a shortcut and a little bit of like a, some fuel yeah, in the car yeah, yeah to get there a little bit faster and congratulations on the new book yeah <laughs> thank you i appreciate it and and i will I, I will get you a copy um uh signed because you're actually you wow. have a there's a portion of it that that yeah, yeah you're a star yeah <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> um, well, it's an honor really yeah, I would love to read it honor was mine so um but thank you very much for coming on today and um and we'll definitely uh we'll talk soon my pleasure okay. thank okay. you you got it